everybody. This is Ellen Weatherford with Just the Zoo of Us. And today I'm talking to a brand new friend. This is Elizabeth Mills. Say hi, Elizabeth. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm excited to talk to you and I'm excited to talk about barnacles today. But I'm going to have to contain that enthusiasm for just a minute. So before we talk about barnacles, let's talk about you Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a marine biologist uh, from England and I'm a PhD student at the moment and I started in marine biology. I love rock pooling and everything to do with the sea and the coast, um, being a marine biologist, of course. And I also study so all the things that grow in rock pools, which are kind of the areas right on the coast with all these wonderful, underrated, lovely species, including the amazing barnacles. I love to study also what grows on man-made uh, surfaces, which is kind of all the same stuff, but we put so much structures into our seas that it really interests me about all the different things that grows on them and where we put them and how you know humans interact with the ocean. And so I've also kind of moved into engineering. So right now I'm a PhD student in civil engineering, but looking at what grows on concrete and trying to make a new concrete to get different species to grow on it so that is what I am up to at the moment wow oh that's really cool because like when I think of barnacles I do think of them being stuck to like docks and stuff like that is that where you typically find them yeah and on the bottom of ships and they really stick on everything they're kind of like the big biofouling species which just works hand in hand with me I mean I'm not saying I followed them through into the, that zone but uh, it was a big contributing factor to me going into to doing biofouling studies so when they're not stuck on to man-made stuff where are you gonna find them in the ocean you can find them from the deep sea right up to floating on bits of wood through the ocean to the intertidal area. There's even like different species that love to live on the rocky shore. They'll live in the top like two meters. And then the next you know, couple of meters will be a different species. They're kind of well adapted to living in almost every zone. Um, they will stick on whatever they can get their hands on. <laughs> so when I... I was about to say when I think about barnacles, but I have to admit, I don't think about barnacles, you know, like it's they're so just sedentary and they're kind of almost like ornamental. Like when you think about like a, an underwater scene, barnacles are kind of like in the background as like to set the tone almost, you know, they're like you don't think of them as in the forefront. They're not in the foreground. Right. So what yeah. got you interested in barnacles? What made you like think about, oh, this is what I want to take interest in. I think I'm always one for like an underdog species. And I love to like point things out that it's just like, no, they're, they're so common. And you do completely overlook them. But imagine like, a, you know, going to the sea and kind of not seeing them on the rocks. I think that would be really weird. And it's just like, it's always bizarre to say this because it sounds really weird. But if you go rock pooling, you always end up with these like tiny little cuts on your fingers, like not not just like little, not even paper cuts, but like. And you, I kind of like it's nice to like look at it. The rest of it, like, oh, I've been rock pooling this week. It's nice. It's just I don't know. It would be weird to like pick up stuff and it not, you know, barnacles are always there and you always remember it. And also, uh, hopefully, as I tell you, that my goal with this is to get as many people loving barnacles as possible. So by the end, I think everyone will hopefully have fallen in love with them because they're actually really really bizarre and they're really cool but a double would think to pick up and and look at it and uh i mean darwin studied barnacles for eight years of his life and i mean that man did some stuff he was important at thinking about lots of things but if he decided to dedicate eight years of his life to barnacles i'm taking that as you know a good stead of somewhere to focus on <laughs> that is a stamp of approval that we can't overlook yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm glad to talk to you about that because I live in Florida where we have beaches, but our beaches are very sandy and we don't really have rock pools around here. So I haven't actually had a chance to go rock pooling. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that you have like cuts on your hand because I didn't know that. <laughs> like I, I don't have the tactile experience of having gone rock pooling. Do you often see barnacles in rock pools? Yeah, so barnacles, they can cover rock pools, they can cover the seaweeds on rock pools. They usually cover the rocks, which is when they get you as you're putting a rock back down and you're slip and that tiny bit of a slip gets you coated in a few nice cuts. But see, it sounds weird, doesn't it? It sounds really bizarre. But if you've been rock pooling, I suppose you kind of get it. Like I would love to, I would definitely, if I lived close enough to them to do it, I would be right there. I'm glad to live vicariously through you. Like, yeah, I can feel the cuts on my own hands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are there any like man-made stuff around, around on the beaches as well? Because I live on like a sandy shore part of the UK, um, as well as the rocky shore kind of part. And you can still find them if you if you put a man-made surface there for long enough. So hopefully at some point, maybe. Are they only saltwater or are there, is there such a thing as a freshwater barnacle? Like, does that exist? I'm pretty sure they're only marine. They have yet to to go into the freshwater zone, but um, everywhere in the marine in the marine world, all seven continents. Oh man, they're unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've we've been kind of chatting about like where you can find them and stuff like that, but I still don't have a super solid idea in my head of what a barnacle is. What like type of animal is it? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and it, that is totally a normal question because scientists were confused for ages about what they were up until like, I think it was like in 1850, I think they worked out what it was. And before that, they thought it was a type of snail because it's got a shell and that kind of makes sense. At one point, even Darwin said he thought it might be an annelid, which is a type of worm, which, you know, was kind of off in the other direction. But they're actually uh, crustaceans. So the closest relation to them is kind of like crabs and lobsters and things like that, which totally doesn't look anything like them. They've Again, I love a weird thing and they've decided just to you know go off on a weird path <laughs> and they know that because the mobile life stage so because they're they're sessile they don't move they have to have a life stage where there's like a little larvae that goes through the sea and looks for a new home and if you look at it during that life stage it has jointed limbs which is what uh, arthropods are they're kind of, it means jointed limbs so they put them in with crabs but it took them I mean a long time and a lot of debating to work out what they were <laughs> That's so funny. I, I know a lot of people recently have been talking about carcinization, the tendency of evolution over time to move you towards a crab-like structure. What a fact. <laughs> and this is like the other direction. They were like, no, we tried crab and we're actually going to go for more of a rock-like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, they're doing pretty well on their own. We're going to go the other way. Yeah, that, that is so true. Oh my goodness. I know this is not how evolution works, but if I'm not getting more crab-like every day, I'm just going to be disappointed by the end. <laughs> every day I check a little bit, be like, any chitin today? No. Yeah, just walk a few more steps to the left only. <laughs> to the right. I feel like if you were to take my phone out and pull up Google and type in barnacle. And you know how it pulls up your search history of like mm -hmm. past things that you've searched? I feel like if you typed in barnacle, my phone would probably think you were about to type in, are barnacles animals? Because I've probably typed that into Google like <laughs> 10 different times. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what I thought they were like a rock, a plant. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I agree. There's not much to them. Like there's the, the shell and then the inside is really tiny and delicate and there's not much animal in them anyway. So I could totally understand why. And you you can very rarely see barnacles feed. If you um, ever, 
go rock pooling or you go and splash some water on some barnacles if you find them you can eventually kind of trick them to come out and they come out with their little siri which is basically their legs because they live on their head and they feed with their legs and um it's just like this little feather giving you a wave and it's really nice but i hadn't seen that till i was like in my 20s because i didn't know you could get them to come out i was like hello (laughs) so what's in there like you've got the shell it's kind of like um when i think of a barnacle i think of them as kind of cone shaped almost yeah yeah like a hollow basically like an upside down cup with a some have a bottom and some don't and then in in there is is basically uh just some feeding legs a gland of food to make cement which is how they're so fantastic at sticking onto things and then the vast majority is um a reproductive organ which i will make sure i bring up at some point okay yes i'm very excited about that yeah <laughs> you said the vast majority of it yeah yeah like going with barnacles doing the weird thing like going off in the opposite direction because they're sessile they don't move you need this mobile life stage and most marine invertebrates that don't move aren't very great parents and they just send the reproductive cells off into the sea to spawn on their own but barnacles which is probably why they've been so successful as well decided that they wanted to do a bit more care so they're um hermaphrodites so they're both male and female every single barnacle and the reason you find them all clumped together all the time is because how they actually reproduce is they have to use this reproductive organ to physically reach over to the barnacle on you know the left and the right and and fertilize that way instead of casting off their reproductive cells into the sea um, which has meant length of their body the body ratio to the length of the reproductive organ is the largest in the world they have world record breaking <laughs> reproductive parts. Oh, they are very <laughs> well endowed <laughs> yeah so the vast majority of what is in there is uh, yeah that's really funny they've like they're like looking around inside of their shell and they're like do we need eyes no get rid of those no we need to make more room <laughs> yeah we need some feet for feeding we, we need a bit of glue and then we just need <laughs> and then all of the rest of that space we have plans for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> we want to be better than anything at this you know <laughs> Well, that is a really good way to get into our ratings, because Mm. if you've never listened to this podcast before, um, we review animals. And part of our review process involves ratings, which for us are out of 10. And we have three categories that we rate animals on. And the first one is effectiveness. So effectiveness for us is physical adaptation. So things that are built into the body or ways that the body has adapted um, either to like its environment or to the challenges it faces, ways that it uh, has optimized its body for doing the things it needs to do. So what would you give barnacles for effectiveness? Well, I'm going with 10. I mean, that's always the answer, but <laughs> I will not <laughs> I will not bend. <laughs> I guess you mentioned earlier, like different species in mm. different parts of the ocean. How many different types of barnacles are there? There's um, about 1,400 species of barnacles. Um, wow. There's, yeah, which is, again, incredible. They're, they're doing really well. And I, it was funny, like, looking at trying to work out what the racing was because like, what is the point of a barnacle i really had to, i was like right, what are they trying to do and i kind of worked out that it was probably to stick to things and to reproduce and we already know they're doing very well at the reproduction so we can give them 10 out of 10 for that and then i was thinking the stick to things as well thinking that yeah that's basically all the rest of that they do they do that 
particularly fantastically as well. And um, so much so that they have outsmarted humans and will probably continue to outsmart us for years to come. It's taken about 150 years for us to work out how they actually stick underwater because that's something we don't really know what to do. They use a little bit of oil or something before they put the glue down. That's that's all we know. And the rest of it, we have no idea what the glue is. We know that some species use different glues, but it is one of the strongest glues in the entire world. It's something like 60 to 90 pounds per square inch will be able to stick on a barnacle. So wow. if that is the point of a barnacle is to reproduce and to stick down, <laughs> that is the way. Yeah, forget about Gorilla Glue. We need to get barnacle glue. Yeah. It still blows my mind that we have no idea. We know it's proteins, but there's just no equipment or no ways as of yet for us to work out what it is. It's like saying to someone, like giving them the best cake in the world and telling them you need some ingredients for something (laughs) and get to that. Like that's the point we're at. (laughs) They're so secretive and and they're little too, right? So it's not like they make a lot of it, right? No, I think that's part of the problem as well. I imagine there's not much to get at, like this tiny layer of glue, but... Speaking from experience of having to, you do all your research um, and, and biofiling, and a lot of it, you have to bring species back in to study them. And eventually you have to clean up and, and get them off. And I've been there with a chisel and a hammer, and I've been trying to get these off, and I cannot do it. Like, and I, oh, I made the mistake once of like missing the, the hammer and got my knuckles. Like, that, is def- that was just, that was not good. Oh, no. A barnacle related injury. Barnacle related injury. And, I, until I did that, I couldn't really believe how strong it was. And people were like, no, you just jet wash them off and jet washes don't work. And you literally have to hammer and chisel away. And still then, like, there's a base plate on some of them and they just, they don't come off whatsoever. I couldn't, couldn't do it. <laughs> At that point, you just resign whatever it's stuck to as just part of the barnacle now. Yeah. Yeah. Super stubborn. They're not going to, you know, even in death, <laughs> they're, they're like, nope, I'm here. <laughs> I chose this place. I guess since it's, it sounds like it's not like a muscle that they're using to keep them stuck, right? So like, mm. like do they just stay there after they die? Yeah, a lot of the time um, you just see lots of empty barnacle shells lying around. You can break the top off. So if that gets hit by a rock or like hit enough, that can break like a crumble away. So eventually it gets replaced and there's the space for other barnacles and other things to grow. But the, some species do and some species don't have like a like a, almost like a tree ring under their their shell and if that's a species with a tree ring kind of plate at the bottom you just you'll see that quite often um and they'll just stay there i suppose and i don't know how long i don't know if that's been studied maybe forever let's go for it forever <laughs> they're still there to this day <laughs> yes never never there's no way to destroy them I feel like I've also seen them in in pictures on animals. What is the relationship there between, is there any particular reason why they latch onto other animals or does that just happen? I think they've just, because space is incredibly limited. So when it comes to things settling on other on like hard surfaces, you think there's this massive ocean of things to do, but the vast majority of this ocean is either soft or just water. And so the actual hard surfaces that you get are really limited, which is why whenever we put man made stuff in the sea, it just immediately almost gets covered in things, which is why it um, can be such a problem. I think just because of that, it's just pushed them to evolve to be able to settle on any surface. And that just happens to include things like whales and turtles and manatees. And there are actually species like 
that are just specifically so that the humpback whale has its own barnacle that likes to hitch on and another species of whale will have its own species of barnacle that likes to to go on i personally would like to be that barnacle if i could be reincarnated then put me on a whale that would be fantastic then you get to see the world yeah they're like the traveling barnacles they they know what's up like that's the I, I like that they're getting to see the world, they're getting to travel, they're getting to go have all these fun adventures and having to do absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. In fact, it like <laughs> to stick on better, it actually like just it like brings up the whale skin into the barnacle itself as like extra grip. So it doesn't even like it just steals its stuff. It's like hugs you really, really tight and just stays there forever. <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and gross, but I have to respect them for that. Does the whale get anything out of this? I know a lot of times with like animals that get these hitchhikers, sometimes there's a reason for it. Is the whale getting anything out of it or is the barnacle just... No, I think it's just exploiting the fact that the whale can't uh, scratch an itch. Like, oh. <laughs> just, you know, there's nothing it can do to kind of get it off. I don't know if it's hurting it. I, I read a fact that it was you could get up to like 500 kilograms on a single whale. And then I was like, wow, how much is that? I don't know how much whales weigh in general. And someone described it as a heavy jumper. And I was like, right, there you go. It's a heavy jumper's <laughs> worth of barnacle on every whale. <laughs> Almost like it's like a weighted vest that's just making the whale stronger. Yeah, maybe it's like armor. Maybe we could think it's like a nice hug. Let's go with that. Like it's a bit cozy. It's a cozier whale with barnacles on rather than these irritating tiny things that won't get off their skin. (laughs) Yeah, because if they're they're latching onto the skin, that must be irritating and it probably doesn't feel very good. But also it's not like... I don't know, it's not like a tick or something, right? Where like the tick is like feeding off of it. Like is the barnacle feeding off of the whale or it's no, just it's just getting it's it's just there and it can filter feed as it goes probably perfectly it doesn't have to actively do it, it probably just put its little legs out and just wee and just get the feed <laughs> as it goes that's what i imagine in my head anyway <laughs> that's so cute yeah if they're not saying we in barnacle language then i mean that's just wasted on them isn't it <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned earlier that they move around when they're in their larval stage. Mm-hmm. That is how they get from like one place to another, right? Yeah, and that's really fascinating because they have, like, I think it's eight stages, seven or eight. I'm blanking out. I think it's eight uh, stages where it kind of transforms, and each time is a bit like a caterpillar into a butterfly, kind of metamorphoses into like different looking things. And the last stage is called a cypriot, which looks completely different, and it's the only stage that can't like feed. So one of the reasons barnacles are so good at spreading is that they, because they have all these stages, they can get quite far before they have to start settling again. But the last stage can't feed, so it has a limited time to find a place to settle. But they can be picky because obviously if you're only going to live one place forever, why not be picky? And um, you're going to make sure you're living in the right spot. And this is coming from a biofounding research perspective, which is why I'm designing um, different materials, is that you can actually change the material properties to things that species do and do not like. And so I'm hoping to to kind of stop some of the more problematic species settling on materials we put in the sea. And these barnacles come along with their little feelers and they feel the surface and they put down um, a little bit of glue that's about like like a post-it note's worth, like that kind of strength. Just long enough for them to feel around and be like, do I want to do this? No. And then they release off and go search. But um, studies have actually tracked them and they look like little footprints. But the more hungry this little cypriot gets, the more desperate they become. And you can just see them become this like a little erratic thing, panicking as it's trying to find somewhere. And it just gets less and less choosy. And in the end, it just settles when it has to. So hopefully it finds somewhere before. <laughs> it. Eventually it's like, you know what? This is fine. Yeah. Like I can 
so relate to that. You're like, no, you know, there might be better things on the horizon. And then you're just like, oh, no, there's not. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like, like when you can't quite decide on what you want to order for dinner and you keep waiting and waiting yeah. and waiting until it's 10 p.m. And the only like at that point, you're like, you got to order from whatever's open. Yeah. How stressful is that? I'm quite glad enough to do that. That's what's fun. I like the fact that we can move house. <laughs> well, since it sounds like they're a little more choosy and a little more like, I don't want to say thoughtful. Um, I think that's that's describing mm. a little too much human. Yeah, I'm guilty of that all the time. <laughs> so guilty. Yeah, that's, a, that's giving them a little too much. But it, it sounds like they're kind of at least considering some different factors when deciding on like where they want to go and stuff. Uh, let's talk about ingenuity for a second. Um, this is our second rating that we talk about our animals on. This is behavioral adaptations. So things that yeah. the animal's doing with their body to do a good job of what they're trying to do. Um, I know with a barnacle, they get to a point in their life where their behavior is pretty limited, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're consistent. Yeah. <laughs> but what would you give the barnacle for ingenuity? I'm going to go with, I'm giving it a nine, not a full 10, because I'm going to bring in another type of barnacle, which I think is pretty ingenious. But, you know, they haven't worked out how to like, you know, hop up and move. I do feel like that's a limitation. We've got to knock at least one mark off. <laughs> for the fact that I mean they're very good at what they do at sticking but you know maybe what if they do panic and they don't settle where they want to they can't you know pick up and move again what if you want to test drive the car before you buy it you know (laughs) what if your neighbor is really annoying and you know they also then have to be the mother or father of your children (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is a little bit of a drawback like wherever you settle that's where you're settling for life you have no further options at that point yeah, I feel like there's a very much a community vibe, maybe. They're like, there's enough of us to survive at this point. We'll just settle and be done with where we pick. <laughs> yeah, but there's this different type of barnacle, which I think is very ingenious. And not a lot of people know about it. And it's um, it's parasitic and it's called Sacculina. And um, I don't know where it is in the world. Here in the UK, you can find it in some locations, but not all. And it basically mimics crab eggs. So you can pick up a crab and the eggs are usually like an orange blob at the bottom. And it looks almost exactly like that. It's very difficult to tell between. But this is, it turns them into zombies, the crabs. It's very, it's a bit mean. It's a bit mean, I think. I like barnacles, but this is this is harsh. <laughs> I also love crabs. So the female will settle into uh, the crab and it basically takes over. It goes into the hemolymph which is basically the crab's blood, and gets it to change its behaviour. It sterilises the crab so the crab can't um, mate on its own. It stops the crab from molting because molting would get rid of it, so it can't change its shell anymore. It moves it into deeper water so that seagulls and other seabirds won't eat the crab, and then it grows its own eggs where the crab eggs would be and waits for a male barnacle parasite to come along. And when that happens, it even down to the fact that like as they're hatching, it can get the crab to like waft the eggs away. And then it just dies and leaves this zombie crab, which can't really do much with its life. It completely takes that over. Oh my, and this is a barnacle you said that's doing yeah. all this. Yeah, that's the dark cousin of the barnacle family. But, yeah. That is that is yeah. the evil twin of the barnacle. Yeah, that's the one you don't talk about. The other ones are like, we don't mention them. And when everyone's sitting around at Thanksgiving dinner, someone's like, has anyone heard from Saculina recently? And everyone's just shaking their head. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> we don't mention them. Oh my gosh, that's really wild. Because like, I've heard of other 
creatures doing this sort of like where they infest a host mm. it's like a parasite that will infect a host and then kind of pilot it like a mech <laughs> like yeah. driving it around like taking control of it um i've heard of that before but i haven't heard of any sort of like crustacean doing that like that's wild yeah it's it's so bizarre how it can just take over its entire body and and just had to stop it molting and to stop everything it really just i that I, I don't know enough about it and I, I need to really research into it because uh, yeah to understand the mechanism behind being able to do that what do you need to release how does this barnacle thing like control it like a robot how does it know to go into deeper water and like like I don't even know how to drive a crab like a robot yeah I mean that would be hard for a human yeah and barnacles <laughs> have it all figured out yeah they're just there they're like oh we could have gone into the crab and then maybe they regretted it not turning into the crab and they're like We've got a way around this. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know what? Actually, we're going to go back to the crab thing. <laughs> yeah. Cosplay was not enough. They were like, we need to be actually physically in this this species. <laughs> I need to pilot the crab and wear it as a suit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they have like a training center. that We don't like, you know, pilot, but <laughs> they just think it's the crabs. Neon crab evangelion. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> That's wild. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. that um, zombie crab mechs were going to feature in this episode heavily, but you learn a little something new every day. How can you leave out, you know, zombie crab mechs? You should always expect that in every conversation. <laughs> Doesn't that come up in all of yours? <laughs> well, we, we're going to uh, need to start doing like, you know, you do your fire drill, tornado drill, zombie crab mech drill. Yeah. They've conquered the crabs. They're coming for us next. Yeah, just don't give them thumbs. It's like cats, don't give them thumbs. But same rule with barnacles, I don't know. <laughs> if they ever figure out how to make it onto land, it's it's game over for humans. That's it. Game over. You know, I think I'd be okay with that. I'd be like, you know what, that's, that's one of the better ways to go. Like, you'd be that over, like, an apocalypse. You see barnacles start coming up out of the water and you're like, you know, we had a good run. We'd have a good few years of looking like the Pirates of the Caribbean characters on the ship. <gasps> so I, you know, I mean, we transition maybe. That would be really cool, actually. <laughs> that would be cool. I'm, I'm totally down for that happening. I just walk around being like part of the ship. <laughs> part of the crew. Part of the ship. <laughs> yeah, part of the ship. <laughs> if that's how the human race goes, then so be that it. just awakens <laughs> such a deep memory in me <laughs> that I have not accessed in so many years. <laughs> yeah, I would probably donate my body to the barnacle invasion and be like, you know what? Here we I'll go. Just make this easy for you guys. <laughs> that was the whole point of this podcast. I'll go now. Should I? <laughs> it was you. You're the barnacle. <laughs> I'll go back to my barnacle leaders and be like, one more, take. <laughs> oh, no, now I've given you a platform. Oh, dear. Well, yeah, increase quite dramatically from, from one to two. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I didn't expect barnacles to have that degree of manipulative abilities. So when you have, when you're studying barnacles, you, you keep them like in a tank, like you're like observing them. And is that the sort of like research that you do? I do a lot of research where I go and like um, put materials in the sea. So I, I kind of see how they settle with all the other marine life that's also settling um, and study kind of everything together. But then you can bring them back in and, and look at them. I'd love to do studies kind of looking at how they settle in a lab, but they are notoriously difficult just down to the fact that they have those eight life stages. So there's not actually too many places that have the ability to breed them in that way. But um, 
there's some great studies where you can actually you know study them as they settle and that's uh, really interesting but yeah i look at them mostly kind of in the wild but giving them almost like you know little different houses that they can pick and hoping that maybe one of them they don't pick i suppose i'm i'm that, that's the thing with barnacles is that i love them to bits but i have to be quite careful what i say around sometimes around engineers because engineers lives are looking at trying to get rid of them because they cause so many problems for engineering and human stuff it's um like 40 percent of all the fuels on every ship in the world is wasted because barnacles settle on the bottom of them not all biofouling just the barnacles so it's this like love hate kind of relationship of they're so good at what they do that they're actually too good at it and we don't understand them enough to get rid of them yeah because of that they actually some this little simple thing that i love is actually it's not great not just on the money terms but you know wasting the emissions and everything so it's really bizarre that there's lots of like different research going on and but a lot of it the vast majority is kind of looking at getting rid of barnacles rather than getting them to settle because that's that's the trick sure I don't even know if this is something that y'all have figured out yet, but do y'all have any kind of idea yet of like what factors into the barnacles sort of almost decision making process of like, yes, I like this. I want to settle here or no, don't like that. Going to move on. Like what kind of factors into that? Is it like a texture thing or? This this is my challenge. This is what I spent the last like three years trying to work out. And um it's really complicated and that's part of the problem. And I love this. This is why I particularly love studying um, the relationship because it can be affected by whether it's horizontal or vertical, how high or low it's kept in the water column. It can be affected by um, the micro texture. So right down to like nanometers, like that texture, or if it's next to maybe like a crevice, it might be a bit more protected. So that can influence it. If there's certain chemicals that the species do and do not like, um, if there's, uh, particularly with barnacles if there's more barnacles in the area then that might override everything you've just said because it preferred to settle next to next to a friend stuff like predators of barnacles which there aren't particularly too many they are very tough to get into but um i've seen things like shrimps eating them before which is quite bizarre nice they can like pull pull a bit of the like the insides out and stuff like oh, that that's clever yeah, I was really shocked. I was like, "Is you you actually did that?" I was very impressed. I was very impressed with the shrimp. They earned it. Yeah, you totally earned it. That was a tough, tough challenge, <laughs> and uh, and so stuff like predation and whether there's other things settling in and around it that gets there first, and it's kind of all a mixture of that in every location. But getting to like the specifics of it, it's difficult to tell exactly what the roughness is and exactly what the um, the other stuff is and part of that is because um, it's complicated and part of that is because there's not a lot of marine biologists and engineers that do both there's so many studies that look at what grows on the man-made surfaces but don't understand that concrete isn't just concrete there is more to it and different ratios of things that you put in and then there are a lot of engineers that put a lot of concrete in we'll leave them in for ages which is exactly what marine biologists would love they would love long-term study data but then they're like oh get this off what is this and they clean it and get rid of it before talking to anyone oh no <laughs> yeah and a lot of my research um i suppose it's just a bonus to my phd it's not the main focus of it but i always make sure that i'm trying to talk to people and get them involved a bit more because it's really useful to know both sides, which is why I'm, I've got an undergrad in marine biology and this PhD in, in civil engineering and stuff, just to, that there's so much awesome science that can be done between the two and just kind of changing the opinion of people to be like, okay, no, you can't actually look, it's not that hard. We can, we can work on learning about the surface too. And yeah, you know, that 
people think they're gross but you know send me and I <laughs> I don't think they are and we can we can have a quick look at what's on there and that hopefully would unlock a lot more um data than we've got right now it's only only up from here yeah because I've, I've already learned some pretty charming things about them so far I like the idea of their little feathery feet oh they're so cute and, and it's like they're waving to you well I think they are anyway again personification I'm terrible but you know I've been walking around the rocky shore and I'm like hello hello <laughs> they're just feeding they're not waving at you but you said that they like to gravitate towards each other uh they seem like mm-hmm. kind of gregarious maybe they like to kind of group up with other barnacles how do they know that there's other barnacles there like I look at a barnacle I don't see any eyeballs how are they detecting other barnacles there's, I don't know what you call it. I don't suppose it's a chemical or not quite. It might be some sort of hormone kind of chemical mix. I don't know. That's not proper science. I'm just <laughs> guessing. Um, they kind of release it so that other barnacles can find them as they go, just because they're so reliant on making sure that they settle with other ones to, to reproduce. There's no chance that they'll be able to reproduce if they're not kind of settled together. So there's studies of that, that they will release this kind of chemical thing and, and give them like a little signal for the little uh, things to float on by and come find their friends. Well, they've got a little beacon that they're sending out. They say, come, come join my neighborhood. Yeah, hello, we're fine. Join my server. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I wouldn't have thought that I would be describing them as cute because you know mm. the only thing... If you're not very familiar with them, the only thing you think about when you think of them is those little crusty... Yeah, they're basically a tiny rock. Yeah, not even that. It does look like a little rock. For aesthetics, which is our final category that we rate animals Mm. on, what are you giving the barnacles for aesthetics? I'm very curious. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going high. I mean, (laughs) as much as it hurts my heart. I can't, you know, I'm giving... So I'm giving them three points, but then I'm going to tell you something else about barnacles and I'm going to... It's up, it'll be up to you. I'll, I'll let you decide if we're going to bump them up because, okay. or, or how much by. But give them a three because uh, I love them. That's one point. They always get one point in every category for that. <laughs> and two because I think they're cool. They look like rocks, which which is awesome. And then the other one, I suppose it looks like a crab's eggs, which is what I was thinking, you know, that does replicate that and we'll give them three but i i mean it's probably even pushing it i'm thinking three <laughs> thinking of all the animals in the entire world we're probably pretty low on the scale with barnacles but i had to tell this story i love this story so much and i had to tell you and, and let me know what you think how much we should bump them up by this will be a tongue twister as well so i feel like i'm gonna get this wrong a lot of the time <laughs> but we'll we'll give it a shot okay so there are these things these birds called barnacle geese and I was Googling one day, just wondering why they're called barnacle geese. And this amazing story popped up. Yeah, so back in old 1187, this guy called Gerald Cambrenesis, that's nothing to do with the story, but what a name. He puts out in this like natural history book that he's been wandering along the beaches and he has seen these things called goose barnacles settled on tree logs. And these are, you can see them around. I have unfortunately not been lucky enough to see them because they spend their entire lives floating on things in the sea usually big trees if they floated in um and then they wash up on beaches and people think they look like aliens they do i don't even know how to describe them um they just kind of look really alien like let's see what i can find it doesn't really look like a barnacle it looks like a long tube with a triangle end with some shells on it sure does doesn't it yeah you know what it kind of almost looks like if you've ever seen like a baby horse, when the horse is, has just been born, 
their hooves are like not hard. They're they have these like mm. feathery bits on the bottom of them when they've just been born. It looks like the hooves of a newborn horse. <laughs> See that is yeah. Okay, I will go with that. I'm gonna look that up in a minute. That's great. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> no, I'm totally. It's just so bizarre. Like yeah, isn't it? Isn't it strange? So this guy's walking along and he thinks they do look. I, I could kind of get what, where it's coming from, but he thinks they are the eggs of barnacle geese, which are then called barnacle geese. So these geese in the UK rock up in winter and disappear off in summer. And at this point, they don't know about migrations and everyone's confused. They've never seen a baby. One of these. And so he thinks then, and there's all these illustrations in these old textbooks, and this this goes on for hundreds of years, that they think that a tree is planted and these goose barnacles hang off the tree and then hatch into barnacle geese, which then fly away. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? What? Yeah, and this this is natural history illustrations where you'll just see like a tree and imagine geese hanging from their feet just straight off and they're like yeah that's the stage that you know what just before they're gonna hatch and fly away (laughs) (laughs) and i just love the fact that they confuse them so much but because at the time there was a lot of like religious stuff in the 11th and 12th century um lots of the religious kind of communities jumped on board because it meant that if it came from a tree you could eat it during fasting periods so much so that so many people were eating barn goose barnacle no wait see a tongue twister (laughs) barnacle geese during fast seasons that the pope had to come out and be like no like we (laughs) they are birds you can't eat them (laughs) i like the thought process of like bird hatches out of tree therefore it's vegetarian (laughs) yeah and therefore we can eat it (laughs) honestly it means that for 100 it's not until the 13th century that they work out that they are not the eggs of this geese and the geese are not fruit <laughs> <laughs> from a tree they are, if you have the time please google the illustrations because they are just they are amazing because <laughs> they're just so bizarre and i just think the fact that they confused natural historians for hundreds of years and it's just the most outrageous story <laughs> i think i have to like at least try to give them the benefit of the doubt Like, if all of the information that you have Mm. is, like, there's a tree, there's some stuff growing off of it, and then geese happen. Like, if that is all the information you have and you do not have centuries of, you know, scientific research to build off of, it might be a reasonable conclusion to come to. (laughs) I mean, I love that that's the conclusion because you are working off of, you know, it's a tree, best thing. It does kind of look like the neck of a barnacle geese. I kind of get where they're coming from. But also, it just <laughs> so ridiculous. I just love that one person said it, and then everyone was like, "Yeah, that's it, hundred percent. Let's eat. Let's eat them." <laughs> no question. Ever. I I would imagine that maybe if they saw an opportunity where they were like, "Ooh, if that's true, then we can eat that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just carried it on for like an extra hundred years, just like you know, yeah, that tr- those tree geese, <laughs> those vegetarian. Like one person was like, "Hey guys, we might want to revisit this. I don't think this is it." And everyone else is like, "No, dude, no, don't go there. Leave it alone." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go sit with Sakilana on the table that no one was talking to you. <laughs> like, let us have the tree geese. Let us just yeah. have these <laughs> plant-based geese. That just, yeah. <laughs> 
on a purely aesthetic value, though, looking at the goose barnacles. They're even worse. They go down a notch. Yeah, they look (laughs) awful. I can't say that these are particularly cute. No, they're definitely not. I mean, we were losing from the start with the aesthetics. (laughs) I like the fact that they trick people. Oh, that was that was good, but I mean that was our bad, really. <laughs> yeah, I like the point. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm not quite sure that there's very many species on the planet that potentially look like less better, less better. That's not worse. That's not <laughs> worse. <laughs> See, I could come out and say it. Maybe that's my subconscious being like, "No, don't say it. Don't say it." Worse. Please don't trash talk barnacles, please. Yeah, they've not they've not got that kind of thing. I will say there's one species that has come to mind. This this will help the uh, me sticking with the three rating. That's got this like lovely blue iridescent on the inside. So if you can get it to open, it looks bright blue on the inside. I don't know why. Um, no idea why. And there's some purple ones in the tropics. There's some purple barnacles. So there we go. They're definitely not the most charismatic creature out there but they just need a little bit of pr help like they need a little nudging along they do they are like the people that will always be there for you you know they are never gonna move they are (laughs) always literally gonna be there for you true friends they're ride or die yeah they might not give you a proper hug but they'll give you like a loving little tiny scrape of your finger i don't know (laughs) they're quite literally a ride or die because they have no other option Yes, they will literally yeah. ride and die. Yeah, on you, on you. <laughs> See, what board do you need? You don't need these aesthetics. It's like, you know, overrated. These wonderful, beautiful ocean creatures. Nah. It's like um, when you're playing a video game, especially an RPG, you are usually confronted at some point with a choice you have to make between armor that has great stats or armor that is pretty. Yes. <laughs> you got to pick one. You can't have both. Yeah, I I always shocking to go with the defense. I'll be running around with a load of barnacles on my armor, just like blocking and defending everyone. Just be like, choo away. And you're covered in friends. <laughs> exactly. They will give you the longest hug ever. They will <laughs> a never ending hug. I love them. I'm recruited. I'm Team Barnacle now. I love them very much. Yes. <laughs> so. Before we get wrapped up for today, um, I'd like to let you kind of take a minute to talk about um, your projects, talk about what you've been up to and what you what you work on. Yeah, so I actually do a lot of online kind of science communication and I have my own YouTube channel called Marine Mumbles and this is just all about ocean optimism and talking about weird and wonderful species. So if you like barnacles and all of these other bizarre creatures, that is kind of where I talk about them. We go exploring the UK coastlines. If I can't get to them on the UK coast, I I do lots of scientific illustrations. So I give kind of tutorials and show people how to draw marine creatures and then give you a load of facts as we draw them. Um, I'm really active on all social medias and stuff. So Instagram and Twitter is all marine mumbles. And I have a website, which is www.marinemumbles.com, where I've got, you know, uh, all the pictures from all the trips I've taken. And I'm just trying to find as many great species as possible and uh, trying to show people that marine biology isn't something that needs to be you need to dive for or you need a submarine and all this fancy equipment though I don't really know anyone that's got a submarine but you know what I mean oh you don't have one just parked outside your house oh you've caught me out oh no (laughs) I might have to give my degree back now (laughs) 
<laughs> we just keep one around just in case. Oh, I need to come to Florida then. <laughs> Everyone's got one here. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a shame it's currently a travel ban. So otherwise I'd be... <laughs> Yeah, and just showing that marine barge is amazing and there's some great creatures right on the coast, right on your doorstep or that you can see it on my YouTube channel and um, you can see them for free if you live near the coast. And if you don't, then I promise I've got a really lovely oceany channel and you can kind of live a bit of sea uh, through my uh, work. And I, I recently found a real life octopus, which is just the best and like an amazing, amazing experience. So I've I've got a video up on that and that was just like the best. So like found it like outside, like yeah, in the wild. Like in the wild. I was so I I've been looking for one for years. I've never seen one in the wild. And I it was just it was even better in person than I could have ever imagined. They're just so cool. Oh, man, so it's all stuff like that on my channel. I would have died. <laughs> oh, it's the little suckers, the little new thing. Oh my goodness, and the changing colour. Oh, it was amazing. This is totally out of the blue like one of those times where it's just like oh, i didn't expect to see it whatsoever it was incredible <laughs> this sounds like um a really good channel for kids that are doing like distance learning and virtual learning right now in the u.s still a lot of people are a lot of kids are like my kid for example is doing virtual school mm -hmm. you know so we're kind of cooped up in the house all day long we don't get to go out and go out to the beach or go running around in the water or anything like that it sounds like a great sort of outlet for that yeah it's all family friendly content yeah it's not pitched at kids it's kind of just pitched at the fact that it's uh, hopefully my job as a science communicator is to show anyone at any age level at any skills exactly what's awesome about the ocean so i will teach right from you know what is a barnacle right up to all of the uh, the more complicated stuff just because that gives everyone the chance then to to learn as much as as possible and hopefully in that little video you get a little bit of taste of marine biology and I've loads of videos coming up you, I could talk about the ocean um for ages so <laughs> so hopefully people find it useful and uh and can give them a bit of respite I know this year is very tough so if I can bring a bit of joy and ocean spirit to the world then Hopefully that's what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, you have brought some joy and ocean spirit to me today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and to everybody listening. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk to us about barnacles today. Thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. It was amazing. This might be my favorite hour ever. <laughs> you mean you let me just talk about barnacles forever? This is great. Well, thankfully, this will be immortalized on the internet so you can relive this hour over and over again. <laughs> whatever you want because it'll be I'm not sure I'm going to be I don't know if I'll listen to it again probably but I'll just send it to everyone about barnacles there we go <laughs> well thank you so much for coming by today we'll talk to you later awesome thanks everyone bye